The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon and welcome to the Authentic Living Show. We are so excited today to be able to talk to well-known astrologer, author, and teacher Stephen Forrest about how we might use astrology to help us discover, challenge, and encourage our own authenticity. Forrest is the author of several astrological bestsellers. His work has been translated into a dozen languages and he travels worldwide to speak and teach his brand of choice-centered evolutionary astrology, which integrates free will, grounded humanistic psychology, and ancient metaphysics. He's won prestigious awards and acclaim of people like Sting, Callie Corey, author of the screenplay for Thelma and Louise, and Oprah Magazine. Along with his busy private practice, he maintains an active astrological apprenticeship program as well and has trained many in his field. Stephen Forrest began studying astrology in his early teens. Many books later, he has become known worldwide for his expertise in the unique choice-centered approach, as we said, called evolutionary astrology. His books include The Inner Sky, The Changing Sky, Sky Mates, The Night Sky, the Book of Pluto, Measuring the Night, The Keys to the Soul, co-authored with Jeffrey Wolf Green. Later, he and his co-author and wife Jody revised Skymates to create the two-volume series Skymates, Love, Sex, and Evolutionary Astrology and Skymates, The Composite Chard. 2008, he wrote Yesterday's Skies, one of my favorites, and 2010, The Book of the Moon. He also developed two popular computerized astrological report writers, wrote articles for most of the major American astrological journals and several magazines, wrote chapters and books, appeared on many radio and TV programs, taught many workshops, taught others how to provide evolutionary astrology, and won awards, all while maintaining his practice, his first love. So stay here with us today. You don't want to miss this unique opportunity to hear one of the world's most acclaimed astrologers. Welcome, Stephen, to the Authentic Living Show. Thank you. It's a joy to be here. I appreciate you having me. Oh, I'm excited about having you. I've, as I said before, we ever before we actually took off on the show today, you, I've followed your work for a long time and have always been very interested in the work you provide, particularly with regard to your special brand of it in terms of choice-centered evolutionary astrology. So, thank you for the work you do. I appreciate you saying that. Yeah. Well, I want to talk about, and was, as, as I said, I wanted to kind of combine some of the work that you've done over the years to, to talk about the authentic self and how astrology can sort of help us to understand that better. And I want to quote one of the things you said in the inner sky. You said, the intensification of a person's self-awareness in astrology, that's all that matters. So can you just elaborate on that a little bit? What does that mean in terms of uh, what the astrologer is trying to help the, the client to see? 
Uh, absolutely. It's uh, my favorite subject, needless to say. Um, so one, one example of it, uh, many of us who have been in the world more than 50 years or so have, were taught when we were young that uh, uh, boys didn't cry and girls did. I, I know it sounds kind of silly, but it's an example of, of the kind of social training that we get. But we might recognize that there's the, the chart of a, of a man, let's say, and uh, technically, he's full of water signs, Pisces and Cancer and Scorpio. And those tend to correlate with stronger emotional energy. And for such a man to be authentic, to be true to himself, he needs to be very heart-centered. But if he is born into a culture that shames him every time he expresses feelings and only rewards him for intellectual behavior, we recognize that he's, he's caught between his essence and his social training. And since he's human, presumably the uh, social training is going to win sometimes and, and it's going to estrange him from himself. And so he can sit with an astrologer who, who might not know a thing about him except what's in the chart. And the astrologer supports and validates uh, the, the essence of his true nature. And as a result of that, perhaps if the reading is successful, he feels more confident in simply being who he is. We, we hold the mirror before him, and, and he recognizes himself in it and gets a kind of cosmic validation. That's really the essence of it. Yeah, okay. So that's the same kind of work that we do in, in my practice, which is as a psychotherapist, we try to help people connect more with the deepest self. And, and uh, in the process, they let go a little bit more, at least, of the persona, not that we have to ditch that thing entirely, but, but to, to let go a little bit more of that. So that's the same thing. Is that correct? Yeah, it, it really is. Astrology and psychotherapy are uh, very, very natural allies. I, like, like most uh, practicing astrologers, I have a, a long list of therapists to whom I'll, I'll refer people. I, I think that, uh, it, first, it would be silly to set up any kind of competition between the two systems because they are natural allies. But to contrast them, uh, I think astrology is better than psychotherapy at at diagnosis, so to speak, at just cutting right to the essence of, of what a person's nature is, something a, a therapist working with a client might take a long time to discover. We can take one look at the chart and, and inside of a couple of hours have a very excellent start on understanding where the real person stops and the social training begins, for example. But just to turn it around, uh, astrology is not nearly as effective as psychotherapy when it comes to actually healing from the wounds. So I, I turn to the astrologer for the diagnosis and, and to the psychotherapist for the process of helping the recovery and figuring out you know, what, the, what the chart really means for the person in the day-by-day, year-by-year sense of it. They're absolutely natural allies and complement each other beautifully. That's so well said. Very well said. I like the way you put that. Um, I'd like to hear a little bit more when you said that um, you could diagnose uh, where the separation occurs from the essence and toward the persona uh, in a person by looking at the chart. Could you give us a, an example? I know you can't like do a whole chart, and I'm not asking you to, but just sort of some examples of what you mean by that. Yes, I, I, I'd uh, first just 
simply and sort of repetitively point to the imagery I, I used a few moments ago about, uh, you know, somebody, a man whose nature is emotional, but the social training is, is, is that he needs to be logical and ashamed of his uh, emotions. And we, we might uh, extend that with the, the idea that somebody's chart, uh, oh, let's say there's a, the chart of a person who, who looks, uh, looks very logical and rational and conservative and kind of mathematical. And let's imagine that they are raised by uh, bohemian artists who, uh, who shame them every time they, they, they show interest in those directions but it, and, and reward them every time they show an interest in playing the drums or something. I know it's sort of a contrarian example. We usually think of the, the poor artist born into the conservative family, but it can be the other way around. The parents, you know, trying to train the person to, to be creative. And, and I, I can imagine just the, the tragedy of, of somebody, and I'm sure there are people out in the world who would fit this description right now, a kid in college studying music, for example, really to, more to please the parents. And, and the person will not have a future in, in music. Their, their future could be happy, productive, and meaningful in, in some more conventional kind of area. So I, I, I'm, I'm intentionally using a sort of counterintuitive example there to, to recognize that, mm-hmm. that astrology can, can support people uh, across the entire spectrum of human types. The, it's, uh, it's above all else, uh, if you'll forgive a cliche, uh, a, a celebration of human diversity, you know, honoring all the different paths, but then trying to be clear about what they are for each individual. Yeah. Okay. So, so would you say that you could see where the social um, expectations interfere with the person's ability to, not ability, but their, well, ability fits uh, their ability to fit um, in, into either that social arena or their essence. I mean, can you see that part in the chart, or are you saying that you could see? You might see the person, but they're and kind of get to know the person a little bit, but their chart reflects something different than what they presented. Well, I think for for all of us, uh, there's there's a difference between essence and what we present, at least to some extent. It it, yeah. it derives from the from the reality that our our species, Homo sapiens, were we're social creatures, and and you know, long long ago, if we're up in the top of the monkey tree with the rest of the monkeys, there was a pretty good chance we'd survive the, to see the sunrise the next day, and, and if we're down on the floor of the jungle by ourselves, we're, we're going to be in trouble. So the, the social instinct, the instinct to fit in and find a place is fundamental to human nature, and I, I wouldn't want to make it the enemy exactly, but, but rather make the more subtle comment that it gets us into trouble. It, it makes us vulnerable to, to dancing to other people's tunes and so thinking of parents, even, even very good, loving, effective parents who only want what is best for their children, I'd, I'd take that familiar line and put it in quotation marks. And It's a noble, beautiful sentiment, but when we read the fine print, we, we're faced with the question, well, how do they know what's best for their children? I mean, beyond food and shelter and love, you know, there, there are children who... Who, who need to be exposed to danger, for example, because they, their charts are adventurous and, and, you know, going camping when they're 10 years old and spending the night out in the backyard in the tent might, might be the best thing in the world for that child. And, and yet a parent might be overly protective. 
or, or the, another child who asks to spend the night in the tent in the backyard, but, but in reality is only doing it because of peer pressure and would actually be terrified and would benefit more from protection. So we, we, we quickly get beyond the realm of what's good for people universally and into that realm of, of, of individuality and the particular needs of the person. And parents will you know, have good intuitions often about what their children need, but they're, they're limited. We can't expect them to be perfect there. And the, and the uh, astrological chart, if it's well and deeply understood, gives us a sense of really what, what the soul needs for its own evolution. And that's, that, that, what your soul needs and what my soul needs are going to be different. You need right. to see certain movies that are going to change your life, for example, and uh, and maybe you tell me about the movie, and I look at it, and, and you ask me, what did I think? And I say, nah, you know, it didn't work for me, or, mm-hmm. or vice versa. And that's just movies. And, and, and yet beyond that, the vast questions of, you know, do we need to, do we need to travel? Do we need to, do we need to be married, or are we better off being single? And, you know, the vast array of these huge, pivotal questions that, that are subject to so much, uh, social direction and social control and and yet the individual soul has its own needs there and 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 illuminating that is where astrology really comes into its full power that's beautiful that's beautiful one of the things that i really liked uh in the inner sky was that you you gave the seven principles of astrology and one of the the, i'm going to combine two of them here and you said astrological symbols are neutral and that the individuals are responsible for the way they embody their charts. And I, I think that's so beautiful because I encounter so many people who uh, make the assumption, which I'm sure you already know about, that that astrology is a destiny. It says, okay, this is how it's going to be for you, and here's this bad energy over here, and this is what's bad is going to happen for you, and, you know, that thing. So uh, could you say a little bit more about that and how we are responsible and what that, how that is a basis for your choice-centered work? Yeah, this is uh, this is my favorite question of them all. Really, um, it, it's uh, uh, astrology as it exists presently in the world. In fact, does fit the the description that that you were putting forward a moment ago of rigidity and prediction and fatalism. You know, and here's your personality as if you had no influence over it, and here's your fate. And, and again, with the implication that you have no influence over it, you will be a, an introvert who is lucky in love, or you know whatever the the prediction is, and and it's it's simply wrong. I I, I like to I say it in kind of a funny way. That kind of astrology um, will tend to be most accurate in describing the lives of people with whom you would probably prefer not to have dinner. And I, I, I know that sounds like kind of a silly thing to say, but, but, you know, high on the list of people with whom you wouldn't want to have dinner are boring people because boring people are so predictable, and it begins to sound like I'm talking in a circle, but I don't think I am. I think that in the human population, there are people who have abdicated from their their God-given right to have a long, hard conversation with themselves and and thus become different and thus make different choices and create a different future for themselves. And and so in astrology, what we're trying to 
to to speak to to address that that better self that that exists potentially in all of us and and rather obviously in many of us and and we recognize that it's our our fate in the world maybe the last time I would use that word it's our fate in the world to interact with certain certain questions certain archetypal fields of possibility and your your chart defines those questions that will keep facing you in your life and defines those archetypal fields but i but i think of the chart um kind of like the waitress who comes up to you in the restaurant and and says uh here's the menu uh what are you having you know there, it's not an infinite menu of possibilities in any chart but it's big enough that there's a whole lot of room for choice and possibility it's, we will choose something from the menu or something from the the menu so to speak will befall us but on that menu there are some beautiful choices that feed our souls and some dull choices that leave us flat and depressed and anxious and lost and and it's it's our responsibility and our magical power to to make the choices within that and the astrologer comes in and counsels the person about the these choices and within the limits of his or her own wisdom makes some suggestions about certain items on the menu that might taste better in the long run than than other items mm-hmm. absolutely yeah that makes a lot of sense so in, in that sense then we're we are fully responsible for how we respond to our own our own life challenges and the life mm-hmm. challenges then are spelled out in the birth chart is that yeah, correct 100 percent Yep, yep, okay. The other thing I really like that you say in those principles, and we, d- we only have just a few minutes left, so we may have to um, start the answer and come back to it, but um, uh, the birth chart is a blueprint for the happiest, most fulfilling, most spiritually creative path of growth available to the individual. I talk to people all the time who say, well, I mean, you know, you could see a chart like Hitler's in somebody else's chart. So, how, I mean, how could you know Hitler was going to turn out the way he did? And uh, at, from this perspective that bl- the birth chart's a blueprint, that doesn't necessarily mean that people follow the blueprint. Do I have that right? Yes, yes. Uh, it, it's, uh, Hitler's, Hitler's chart uh, contained much higher possibilities. I, I, I think, I mean, judging others is dangerous business, but I, I you know, I, I, if I were going to judge anybody, I think judging Hitler might be the safest one in the world. He, <laughs> he didn't do a very good job. You know, he, right. he, Hitler's chart shows, like, w- w- one feature, a, a big seventh house, the house of marriage, uh, technically. It's really about relationships in general. So Hitler's chart, uh, uh, we could understand it as the chart of a, of a very fine counselor, for example, someone who understood other people, how to build the bridge to other people. So a fine counselor, a possibility within Hitler's menu. Um, an unscrupulous used car salesman has many of the same skills as a good psychotherapist, but using the same tool, but in a darker way. Now, the, you know, if Hitler had been an unscrupulous used car salesman, he would have been far better off morally than, than what he did, but his ability to beguile and seduce people was absolutely extraordinary. You know, so we see that power manifest in him, but he just used it in this absolutely catastrophic way. Uh, we can't, however, fall into, the, into the, 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 the fallacy of imagining that it was the fault of his chart. You know, it was right. Hitler's fault. His soul, his essence 
made a series of, of terrible choices. But yep. the chart itself was not at fault. There was higher ground available there. Okay. All right. We're going to end on that and take a break. We'll be back in just a few minutes with more from Stephen Forrest. Don't miss it. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Are you interested in finding out more about divine guidance? We all possess special gifts in this world, and sometimes finding out more about them and how to use them can help us get through some of the difficult parts of our lives. Tune in to Elemental Balance, Soul and Spirit Guidance with host Phyllis Valois. Phyllis is an intuitive and medium who will use her gifts to help you find out more about your gifts. Listen every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Step into the doorway to conscious choice, greater health, and well-being. Attain the balance that you've been seeking. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Feed the mind. Embrace positively. Release the tension. Step out of fear. Host Simran Singh will help you broaden your mind and open your heart toward a greater understanding of how to take charge of your life. 1111 Talk Radio is here every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. 1111 Talk Radio. Because shift happens. Invite meaning and inspiration to your life. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free. 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back talking today to Stephen Forrest. And before we go there, I want to tell you just a little bit about our sponsor. The Authentic Living Show is sponsored by the American Institute of Holistic Theology. You may wonder what the terms holistic theology mean. Well, theology is the study of the divine, and holistic theology is a holistic study of the divine that includes all religions and even transcends religion to get to the mystical core of them all. The American Institute of Holistic Theology offers doctorate, master's, and ministerial bachelor's degrees, chaplaincy programs with an internship in BCC, approved continuing education, and a brand new PhD program in holistic theology. AIHD's programs include degrees in the following, holistic theology, offering as terminal degrees both a THD and a PhD, holistic ministries, holistic health and spiritual care, metaphysical spirituality, and alternate spiritual traditions, which includes in-depth studies of the paranormal. Using a home study model for distance learning, the student of AIHT gets a thorough education in the field that fulfills and offers a chance to authenticate a unique gift for the world. AIHT is a real educational program where you'll get a real learning experience in a broad spectrum of educational endeavors, utilizing as your text writing teachers spiritual experts from all over the world. The big deal is that facilitating your dream is AIHT's mission. All you have to do to enroll is either go to www.aiht.edu 
or contact Admissions Director Beverly Love at 800-650-4325. Again, if you'd like to enroll, pick up the phone and call 800-650-4325. You know, Oprah says education is the key to unlocking the world, a passport to freedom. Call and get your passport today. And again, we're talking today to Stephen Forrest, uh, astrologer, and we've been talking about what it is about the chart that can show us that we sort of be the blueprint for our happiest and most fulfilling life. And we left it on the note of talking about uh, one of our most despicable world characters, and I'm going to use that judgmental term too, Um, uh, and just to recognize that he had choices about how he was going to... fulfill his chart or or live out his chart and that's basically one of the principles one of the things i really love that you said is that a sign is not a noun it's a verb um and you even use the example i'm not a capricorn i'm capricorning so i really like that and i and i I wanted you to say some more about that what what do you mean by that well um capricorn or uh really any one of the signs of the zodiac probably the the deepest way to understand them is to think of them as uh, ideas in the mind of God, you know, the kind of things that you want to write with capital letters like perfect love or perfect courage or, you know, concepts like that. Each sign of the zodiac can be equated with, with, with that kind of notion. And, and then the, the deep idea is that, you know, if I'm a Gemini, for example, then I am trying to evolve in the Gemini direction, that, that my spiritual sanity, my everyday sanity too, but my, my spiritual sanity, my spiritual well-being depends upon learning more and more about Gemini, which in this case is, is about open-mindedness and endless curiosity, avoiding the, the dreadful trap of starting to believe that we're an expert and we know everything. And so the next step would be to realize that synchronicity, that wonderful word from Carl Jung, gets involved with this. So you're a Gemini, and you will attract to yourself in the circumstances of your life opportunities to to learn the Gemini lesson, which is to say you, you develop a very strong belief and you begin to attract to yourself experiences that call it into question. You know, like, for example, if you... You become a you become a Buddhist and and you you got it all figured out. I'm a, I'm a Buddhist. Then you attract into your life a a Christian who who glows in the dark with the power of the Christian path. And about the time you decide you're a kind of a Buddhist Christian, you attract a a, a scientist into your life who who glows with that that path of of human knowledge and science and reason. And so it's like whatever you believe you're going to be drawing to yourself the opposite. Now, that would be Gemini. We could go through each of the 12 signs in a similar way, but the notion is that each one is ultimately an evolutionary path and a kind of magnet for the school or the circumstances that help us learn the lessons connected with the sign. And so that's why I think of it in active terms rather than a noun that you know, something that just sits there like a, like a chair, but rather something that is in the process of becoming. So I, I use the, the verb form instead. 
Very good. I like that. So it's really a kind of path that we're following to bring ourselves to more authenticity, or that's the, that's the plan anyway. That's the blueprint. Yeah, that's the blueprint. That's what it looks like if you get it right. Now, yeah. you know, just sticking with Gemini for you know, one example so that you know, to be as clear as possible, um, maybe you don't, want, you don't want to learn anything, so to speak. You want to, you want to just sit there in your expertise and, and, and not have curiosity and not, not stretch which is perverse if you're a Gemini and it doesn't work very well, but you will still attract to yourself that which shocks and stretches and surprises you. You just won't like it very much. You'll, mm-hmm. you'll have a, a lifetime in which the, the pattern is uh, one of the feeling like the rug is constantly pulled out from underneath you and you could take Gemini energy and turn it into cynicism or rationalization pretty easily. And that brings up a, another dimension of each of these sign paths, which is that there are ways to get them wrong. And so each one has what we might think of as the shadow. So there's a goal. There's a, a set of methods for getting to the goal, a set of resources or qualities that simply arise in the consciousness that are tools for the job, tools that we need on the path to get to the goal, and then our freedom there's none of these things that we can't get wrong, and that's how we create the shadow or the, the darker expression of them. Each of the 12 signs can be understood that way. Yeah, okay. So, you, yeah, so the choice would be, am I going to go into the conscious realm of my sign or am I going to go into the unconscious realm of my sign? That would yeah, be what exactly, you're exactly. Okay. Well, astrology okay. itself be, you know, is much more sophisticated than what I just described. We're, we're looking there with the 12 signs at, at just elemental building blocks. It's a, it's a bit like comparing uh, the alphabet, so to speak, to the works of William Shakespeare. You know, once we, we start combining, all well, like Mercury is in Gemini and it's in a trine aspect to, to Jupiter and Libra. And, you know, we begin to develop a very specific and complex kind of structure that is resonant with each person. But the basic DNA, so to speak, really does go back to the signs and the planets. That's really yeah. the essence of it. Yeah, yeah, that's, I'm glad you said that because that's another thing that I hear in people that are like, uh, are curious or a little bit resistant to the idea of, of, um, astrology that, that, well, I read my sun sun sign and it doesn't really apply, so therefore, um, astrology is bunk. So (laughs) I'm glad you said that. Um, I run into uh, that a lot and, and uh, many times I have a lot of empathy with these people that, you know, who have that feeling. Like, you, you might find somebody, uh, this would be kind of an extreme example, but someone who is uh, a Pisces but has nine planets in Aries, and they think they're a Pisces, but, you know, when you look at the whole chart, it's like, oh, my gosh, you know, if we think of this person as an Aries, we're going to learn a lot more about, you know, what they feel like and what their experience is. We, we really need to look at the whole chart is what it comes down to. And that includes uh, absolutely having to know the time that a person was born. That's a totally critical piece of of the whole picture. Yeah, absolutely. That creates the ascendant. Okay, so uh, I'm going to ask some more specific questions about, you know, planets and things. We only have an hour to talk. I'm sure that I could talk with you for days. You might get sick of me, but I probably wouldn't get sick of you. (laughs) (laughs) You should go uh, to my classes then, Andrea. You'd be very welcome. Oh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. I, and I tend to be a Virgo uh, about it. I have some, I'm Virgoing in my sun sign, but, uh, uh-huh. 
yeah, so I can get really obsessed with it and have in the past. But um, if we're, when we're talking about authenticity, can you say just a little bit about the sun itself and how the sun might reflect authenticity? Sure, sure. The, the sun is is arguably the single most important piece of the astrological puzzle. Um, although it, it's very, very important to remember we need to think about everything. As I was saying a few moments ago, the chart as a whole. But the sun, you know, physically, we, I could, we recognize the sun as the center of the solar system. And so all the planets revolve around the sun. And uh, the basic formula in astrology uh, goes back to ancient Egypt, actually, as above, so below. So in the sky above, the sun is the gravitational center to the planets. The inner sun, or the astrological sun, we can think of as the gravitational center of your head. It's that around which everything naturally orbits. Uh, it is your values, or the values to which you need to be true, if your life is going to be meaningful and real to you, if you're going to be your authentic self. If the sun disappears, the weather turns gray and drizzly, and it stays that way for 10 days. We all feel a little low. Just about everybody will get a little depressed by that. And then the sun comes out. It's a pretty bright blue morning after 10 gray, miserable days, and we all cheer up. This is so basic, and, and it's good astrology because the sun represents your, your energy and your vitality as well as uh, your sanity, so to speak, your, your identity. If you're true to the sun, you'll be glad you're alive. You, you might find, for example, uh, a person uh, who is a Virgo, you know, because you know one of those pretty well. And uh, one of the things Virgo is about is uh, um, meaningful work or meaningful craft. I, I think of a, a simple prayer that, that somebody actually told me went back to Egypt. It's one line. God grant that today I do work that matters. Mm. Now, I bet as I said that line to you, knowing that you're a Virgo, you felt some energy inside. Yep. Oh, like the sun rising. It's like, yes, work that matters. Not just work, not just duties, but work that matters. When you're true to your sanity, you're true to that Virgo path. Virgo defines how the sun is operating in you to find the right service in the world becomes critical. And vacation, so to speak, not unattractive, but far less central to your sanity or your vitality. Whereas if you were, say, a Sagittarian, it doesn't mean that you can't work or can't hold a job, but you know the spiritual purpose of your life, if you were a Sagittarian, would be more in the category of broader adventure. You know, you need cross-cultural experience. You need to do things you've never done before. It, it, it feels more adventurous, whereas Virgo feels more oriented to, the, to a meaningful craft or service that we're performing. The secret of sanity and the secret of energy for the Virgo and for the Sagittarius are very different. It's not a, not a one-size-fits-all universe. Far from it. So we see the authentic individuality of each person reflected in the sun. Okay. All right. So that's a that's a really clear definition, and it do, it does help us see how if something is aspecting the sun, like another planet, like I'll just go ahead and use myself as an example. I have the sun next to my Venus and my Mercury and my South Node. So mm -hmm. uh, you know the sun would be then 
sort of um, shifted a little bit in its essence, or maybe it would shift other things that are next to it uh, to to create a kind of different nuance for all of them, maybe. It it uh, it complicates things. It's uh, I I I think of a, a planet conjunct the sun as uh, an adjective in a sense. You know, modifying the sun. Um, you were mentioning uh, Mercury and uh, and Venus being conjunct the Sun and the, and the South Node in your own chart, and I, I I couldn't help but smile because I you know I, I one thing I know about you is you're on the radio. <laughs> that's <laughs> true. Reasons I'm aware of that, and and that's uh, that's Mercury, Mercury, the messenger of the gods, the planet of communication. That your sanity and your energy, your Sun, being tied to Mercury are tied inextricably to communication, to language skills. Your life is about speaking and listening. Your life is tied to language. We see Venus in the mix, the famous goddess of love, a symbol of relationship in general. And I know you're a psychotherapist, Mm -hmm. so we see you building relationships with people. That's Venus. Speaking and listening with them, that's Mercury. And it's all about Virgo. It's all about a craft or a service relative to other people. I, I've also learned, and I say this with total confidence, that you're a skillful interviewer. That here you are not simply being a, a radio personality in the sense of telling jokes or offering opinions and analysis, but, but also listening well and uh, building relationship in, in this moment with me. But, of course, you know, with other people, too. So there's Venus relationships, Mercury communication, all operating through a craft. Now, here, in, in all that I've just said, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, being accurate, I think, but, but I'm not being very helpful because you already know all that about yourself. <laughs> but if we could imagine uh, a, a person with a chart like yours, let, let's say 18 years old, you know, kind of confused about their direction in life coming to sit with a good astrologer who would aim them in that direction and maybe help them separate out their natural desires in those areas from uh, training they might be receiving uh, in terms of their their culture or their family. And there we would find astrology really in action at its full power. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, that's 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 very good, and and of course you're just talking about career and and ways of serving there, but there's all kinds of relationship and and psychology and all kinds of other things that interplay into that dynamic as well. So you wouldn't just be guiding a person into their career; you'd be sort of helping them find who they are. Oh yeah, absolutely. And yep. Venus, uh, Venus being about intimacy, and you know, of course, we, you know, we get into very delicate territory, but. You know, the, the idea that uh, um, communication, Mercury, becomes uh, bound deeply to intimacy at one level. This is kind of an obvious statement. We can hardly imagine uh, anything that we'd call intimacy without good communication. But I would put a great emphasis in, in, the, in, in your chart in terms of the, the need to feel heard you know, by a partner or a friend. It's not to be confused with being agreed with all the time, but just to feel heard. If if you made a made an emotionally charged speech to me, something that was important to you and you expressed it to me and, and as soon as you finished I said yes but and immediately <laughs> launched into my view of things, 
and you had no way of feeling that I had actually heard you, it would tend to kill trust in you towards me. Mercury, communication, and Venus, trust, become bound together. So I mean, it could yeah. go into deeper territory with all of that, but e- even that's a, a reasonably sophisticated understanding of, of, of this piece of, of your own personal puzzle. And it's real important to you because it's conjunct the sun. It's conjunct or aligned with the very center of the chart, the center of your sanity and your vitality. Okay, well, we're going to take another break right now. We're going to come back in just a minute with some more wonderful information from Stephen Forrest. So stay tuned. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Are you living your happy life? Are you looking for something more fulfilling? Tune in every week for Living the Shift, our evolution of mind, body, and spirit with your host, Angela Coulter. The worldwide economy has changed the way that we view and live a traditional happy life. The spiritual and metaphysical world does provide some guidelines, but many of us have no real understanding of these and what they can do. Listen live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. In times of personal transformation and growth, sometimes you need assistance to help set you on the right path. Angela Bushman provides that assistance. Tune in each week for her show, Shine Your Light. With Angela's guidance, you can identify and overcome your fears, learn to let go, and share the joy of authentic living. Angela leads by example and invites you to join her on this path of discovery. Shine Your Light with Angela Bushman is heard live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be visionary. Be extraordinary. Be the change. This is the 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back talking today to Stephen Forrest, astrologer, and uh, having a wonderful time. So I hope you're going to stay tuned for the last part of our show today. Um, I wanted to ask you, Stephen, a little bit about how the outer planets impact the inner planets when it comes to um, serving uh, the needs for us to become more authentic. There's a, a tendency to, to think of the outer planets as modifiers on the inner planets, that if, for example, uh, you have Neptune conjunct Venus, then, then your Venus has kind of a Neptune flavor. I, I'll, I'll put in English in a moment. But the point I, I want to make initially is that we can also think of Venus as a modifier on Neptune. I think it's important to let it be a two-way street. 
that they, okay. they, they interact and they create a kind of synthesis where the, the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. There, there's also a tendency to think of the outer planets, Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto, as, uh, as being uh, um, less personal, more generational, because they move so slowly. And I've never found that to hold much water for me either, because I, I know, you know we all have deeply personal relationships with Pluto, for example, because Pluto is, is really the, the, the key to understanding the, the unconscious mind, and the unconscious mind affects us all deeply personally and, and uh, with a kind of ultimate privacy, so it's, Pluto can be deeply personal. So I, I, I approach this a little differently than people in the astrological mainstream. Let's think about Venus and Neptune. So Neptune will correlate with our, uh, you might say, mystical impulses, our, our sense of the, the presence of the divine, the sense of the presence of God. It is connected with, uh, with various psychic phenomena, people who, who have powerful intuitive experiences or dream of somebody and the next day, uh, you know, encounter them, uh, will often see strong Neptune activity or energy in their chart. So at its best, we'll think of it in spiritual terms. If Neptune is interacting with Venus, then the natural basis of intimacy, which is a Venus question, becomes a sense of a spiritual connection between the two people. That's absolutely fundamental. To sustain a feeling of closeness with another person, there has to be that, that quality of a kind of shared silence or a kind of surrendering eye contact, the kinds of things that humans communicate to each other without words. That is so fundamental here. But let's turn it around. Venus, goddess of love, and the notion that our Neptunian spiritual practice needs, if we have this conjunction in our chart, to be um, connected with devotion, connected with love, the, the feeling of a person in prayer, for example, with, with tears running down their cheeks as they, they feel the love of, of Jesus or Mary or, or, or any of the Buddhas, you know, depending on you know, what, what religious path they're on, but, but being overwhelmed by divine love. Uh, Venus is also connected with the arts and the idea of meditation upon the arts, meditation upon beauty as a devotional path that lifts us into higher realms psychically. So there we would see Venus shaping Neptune just as Neptune would spiritualize the romantic love impulse that we would see in Venus. So it's always a two-way street. Uh, I've, I've said a lot there, but I've only been talking about the higher ground. There's also what we might think of as a garbage can if we if we get it wrong. And so one example there, I don't want to be too long-winded about this, but one example, you know, the the idea that that uh, we can fall in love with people and feel feel a sense of a deeply spiritual relationship with somebody, and you know that might be real enough, but. I, I could imagine, for example, the, the 52-year-old woman who falls in love with the, the very mature and spiritual 27-year-old lead guitarist in a speed metal band, and, and you know maybe there's a certain authenticity in the spiritual part of their relationship, but there's a lack of reality 
at the level of personality, like we're seeing the, the, each other's soul so clearly, but we're not seeing the personality clearly. And personalities need to get along as well as souls. And so people can make uh, uh, judgments that seem ungrounded in love for, I'll say, spiritual reasons. It's a little bit tempting to put quotation marks around spiritual, but I don't want to be too quick to do that. The spirituality can be authentic, but the illusion of the relationship can, can also be very authentic. So there, there are dangers in it. There are ways to get it wrong. Or the astrologer's task is to help aim the person to the higher ground with it. Okay. So then Neptune would be the planet there where the shadow side would be illusion, and, and uh, Venus would be the planet there where romantic love could, on the shadow side, become dependency? Is that? Yeah, exactly. Okay. okay. So we right. become uh, dependent on people who aren't good for us. We're just not very well suited to each other. It's like we're not making a a judgment. Like, God loves everybody. Neptune is infinite compassion. And Neptune's love has that that completely unboundaried kind of quality. It doesn't discriminate. And those are beautiful qualities at the spiritual level. But when we're choosing with, with whom we're going to share a bed, for example... You know, we need to reject a lot of people. We need mm-hmm. to say, not you, not you, not you, because it's a very special gift to offer somebody that we would be that intimate with them. And so Venus has a more discriminating quality, needs a more discriminating quality, whereas Neptune is wide open. And, and we can see how Neptune can overwhelm Venus, and a person cannot make very good judgments about who to say no to uh, and, and who to say yes to. Mm-hmm. Very good, very good. Yeah, and and okay, so let's, I could talk about that, for, we could talk about that for a long time, but I want to talk about the nodes of the moon too, because that's one of the things, well, the moon itself, you've written uh, a book um, called The Book of the Moon recently, and so let's talk about that piece of the chart, and then maybe we can move just a minute, uh, we don't have a whole lot of time yet, but, left, but to talk a little bit about how the nodes of the moon impact. Yeah, uh, two two. Big, big subject areas, and they're related, but kind of different focus. The, the moon is, uh, I, I would say, second only to the sun in terms of its basic importance in the chart. Uh, I mean, the big point is every piece of the chart is important, and they all interact. But the moon, moon is the heart. Moon is the soul, you might say, at least in the street sense of the word soul. A very active way of thinking of the moon is to... Think of it as the mood of a person's life averaged mm-hmm. over a lifetime. We all have our, our good days and our bad days, of course, but maybe you've got a friend who's serious all the time, and you, know, you, 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 you say something funny, you, you make a joke, and the person doesn't even know you're joking, and they look at you kind of cockeyed, and you have to explain that you're joking. A good person, but very serious. The mood is serious, and that serious mood affects everything that they they look at in, in the world, their entire perception of it. Maybe their moon is in Capricorn, conjunct Saturn, and it, would, it could produce that seriousness. Uh, another friend where everything is funny, everything is a joke, every, everything is a party. And, and again, they may be a very fine person, but the mood of the life is lighter. And it, it, it's not a question of good and bad. It's a question of human diversity. That's the moon. That's what it is. Once you understand a person's moon sign, you see that quality or attitude 
that underlies everything that they do and all of their perceptions of the world and its possibilities. Might add a little further that taking good care of the moon in us, being true to the moon, is the secret of happiness. I align my students here all the time. It's a bit of a bumper sticker, but taking care of the sun is the secret of sanity, and taking care of the moon is the secret of happiness. Wow, that's very good. Yeah. All right. So, so all right. So, the nodes of the moon have everything to do with the possibility of past life and present life. Exactly. So, that, that's, yeah. uh, the the south node of the moon uh, is about the past. And the north node of the moon is about the future. Mm-hmm. The south node of the moon can be interpreted in a variety of ways. I, I personally accept the idea of reincarnation, and I, I usually use that language or at least raise the possibility of using that language when I sit with a client. Um, I've, I've only actually had a couple of people say that they preferred I didn't use the language of reincarnation actually over all these years. But I always do like to honor the fact that there might be some people who are not comfortable with the idea. Sure. The, the key here for understanding the south node of the moon, it's a very simple observation. A baby is born, and you look into that baby's eyes, and there's somebody home. There's somebody in there. No, nobody can look at a baby and doubt that for one second. And then the question arises, how did that person get in there? You know, this, this baby looks loving and wise, but this other one looks angry or a baby who looks scared. And mom and dad haven't had a whack at the kid yet, but the, the baby is one minute old and we already see a look of fear. And maybe, just maybe, that, that, that baby was uh, five years earlier a, a, a soldier in Fallujah who died in a terrible explosion and in a state of fear and then reincarnated and comes back and we still see the fear in the eyes. That's, that's how reincarnation works in my view. And the south node of the moon captures the, the emotional tone of your prior lifetimes. That, that's really the rigorous way to say it. It's not like you can look at it and, and, and say your name was Roxanne and you worked as a pizza waitress in Chicago in 1957. <laughs> we don't get that kind of detail, but we would see basic emotional states that were left unresolved in prior lifetimes. And you can just name the infinite variety of emotional states and, and astrology can describe them all. It's there in the south node and it has a tendency to pull us back into old patterns of behavior that are not really good for us. It's like, you know, repeating old mistakes would be the simplest way to say it. Now, the north node of the moon, which is unsurprisingly opposite the south node, describes the the remedy for all that. It, It suggests a path for going forward and most efficiently and skillfully breaking the stranglehold of, of, the, of the old pattern. Uh, just, to, just to make this real, let me carry it one step further. Let's, um, imagine you have a friend who, who shares with you, she's an adult you know, of, of your own age, but she shares with you that, that you know, she, she, was, uh, and she was made an orphan in a, in a war-torn country. And her parents were killed when she was six weeks old. And, and she spent the first year and a half of her life in an institutional orphanage 
where she was never touched, never loved very much, just kind of fed and kept at room temperature, year and a half of her life. And then she's adopted by a psychologically optimal uh, American family and raised lovingly and well. Now, she doesn't remember the first Stephen, 18 months of her let me interrupt you. I'm sorry. We're going to have to close in just a second. Can you, can you round that up for us? I'm sure. Sorry. Okay. Um, she doesn't remember the first 18 months of her life, but they affect her. Past lives work exactly the same way, and we see right. that in the south node of the moon. Okay. There's so much to say about the the nodes of the moon, and I wish we had more time to talk about it, and we could talk to you forever. Thank you so much for being on the show today. I so appreciate it. You're very welcome, Andrew, and thank you for having me. I appreciate that. All right. All right. Well, uh, stay tuned. Next week, we're going to be talking some more about some real interesting topics. You don't want to miss that. And remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time here on the 7th Wave Network. We'll talk again next week.